Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. What up, Nerd Nation? Steve here from the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, or DNA for short, your go-to podcast for all things nerd culture. You want to know fun facts about the latest movies? Done. Interested in a new hobby? We've got you. Have questions and want to hear from the experts? Say no more. Join me and my crew every week to hear about our latest takes on everything nerdy and go on a few tangents on the Dads with Nerdy Ambitions podcast, where we know it's not just a hobby, it's hereditary. Welcome, everybody, to today's episode. We've got a really great Halloween-themed episode for you all today. Really excited to be talking with our guests today about their latest Kickstarter. But before we go ahead and get into that, Mr. Myers, Mr. Miller, how are things where you both are? You're not both in Connecticut for right now, but how are things with you gentlemen this beautiful autumnal Sunday morning, at least for me up here? Things are great here in good old southeastern Connecticut. Had a wonderful family day yesterday. Friends from all parts of my life, which was great to get together. We did some singing. We did lots of food, like tons of food. It was a wonderful event. We put together some things for charity as well. So we've got a little charity benefit coming out of it on top of that. And got a lot of fun seeing a lot of my friends who get together and do some sword play and some practice. There's a slew of buffer weapons out there. And many uninitiated got to see some of that up front. And we're like, what is going on? And <laughs> still thought it was cool. The kids, the little kids had a bounce house, but the teens got the, got the buffer weapon and there's some nerf guns mm-hmm. out there and people were about having fun. And then the teens were engaged enough with that to start challenging us old city people to do some volleyball. <laughs> teens lost again. Third, second year in a row, the teens really had it handed to them. And then there was a, a softball game that, that also went on. Lots of fun. Every good thing in my life comes together in this event. My gaming friends, my gaming ideas, my wedding, all of that stuff, plus cooking and food, which is a passion of mine, friends, family, and of course, singing, which that is my happy place is on a stage singing. So all of that in one spot makes for a wonderful weekend. And, yeah. and we're topping it off with a great interview today, and I'm super excited. Yeah. One of these days, I will make it down to the Connecticut family barbecue, but not this year. Part Dre went off, and we're we're going to have to come up with a new language to come up with part. That's been our thing. We are like picking yeah. a language for the number each year. Anybody <laughs> yeah, out there with have- for next year? We got it. And Lee, Nick and I already have 
have plans, Josh, that if necessary, we're going to drive up to Maine the night before and kidnap you. Like Jenny, she has to yeah. come pick you up the next day. Yeah. Yeah. We'll bring you back. Just having a baby. We are. My wife is currently 30 weeks pregnant. And come this mid-December, we're going to be increasing our family once again. Yeah. 20 you bucks can... if you can make the baby be born on my birthday, December 5th. December 5th. That's a little early, but not outside mm. of their own possibility. So. You said mid-December, anyway, so I knew it was in there. Without, and, uh, I'm without, doing, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, introduce I was going to say, I'm doing great also down here in North Carolina on an impromptu trip to support my sister-in-law, Jen Hansen, in her third half Ironman race. And she kicked some ass yesterday, came in under her goal time. Time, which was great. We started out really early to get over there and be on a bridge <laughs> stage shortly after transition one, because this one down here in Wilmington is spread out everywhere. It's hard to watch your athlete everywhere. So we couldn't watch the swim or make it to that. But we scored most of the entire competition on the bike because we got out there before the first bike bikers were coming by. Yeah. And we, we met her again at the finish line, but it was a awesome. great day. We capped it off at a wavy beach. I call them wavy beaches because they have waves. Makes sense. Mm. Haven't had a good wavy beach since I was a kid in San Diego, but there's like for legitness surfers out there by the pier in North Carolina. So that was pretty oh, hot. Wow. We pulled out some boogie boards that came with our Airbnb and nice. got a little crazy. Right. Without any further ado, then let us introduce our guests today. And all the way from Linz, Austria, we have got Alex Amstler and Alex Proyer. Alex and Alex, welcome to Tabletop Journeys. How are you today? We're great. Thanks. Yeah, totally. Alex and Alex, thank you so very much for coming on today. We're really excited to go ahead and have you on here to go ahead and talk about Rule of Chaos, your new demonic-themed supplement for Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition that is shortly coming to Kickstarter. Before we get into the questions and everything like that, give us the dime tour. Talk to us about what Rule of Chaos is and what the basis of it. The basis is that it's finally time to turn the table and make the unplayable playable. So basically, you're all we are all about playing six new infernal races that you can make up to your own custom demise in all kinds of shapes and sizes. We have imagined all the classic classes that people love and create our own subclasses for it to fit the demonic theme. We also created some new mix that enable you to play demons and to get that feeling of actually playing a demon and like an adventure on steroids. Excellent. That sounds absolutely fabulous. I know. So I've been, when we were doing the, the self-promo Saturday stuff on Twitter for our own Kickstarter, we were running back and forth quite a bit. And I'm very excited for when this Kickstarter comes out. We'll get into all those details about when it's going to hit Kickstarter and all that stuff at the end of the show here. But in the meantime, gentlemen, I believe that it is initiative time. So roll up your D20s and dun, dun. that's a new for me. That's a three for the kid. Ten. Ten for Wait, Glenn. Get yourself a kid. You're the oldest. He is the oldest. I absolutely true. can, and that's why. Because <laughs> none of you are old enough to tell me different. All right, I will take the initiative here and throw out the first question. And I promised Glenn that I wouldn't steal the question that I really want to ask. So I will be. I will behave and not steal that question. Oh, that shouldn't be an opening question anyway. That's uh, fair enough. You know, yeah, the first one should yeah. just be continuing to expand yeah. on the game. So yeah. that's a round two question. So really, what I wanted to go ahead and dive into though, when I was reading through Amber Gleam's Demise, which is the free adventure that you're giving out to people for playtime and everything like that. Though the thing that I got from this so heavily was influences of Vampire the Masquerade and old school White Wolf games and stuff like that. And so really what I wanted to hear from you guys was what was your inspiration for bringing this to the game? What other game systems or what other media inspired you to go ahead and put this together the way that it is? Basically, it was it happened on accident that we made this game. I love that. Every good story, it starts when we were playing The Dark Eye and I was preparing for session zero one shot where my players were actually 
playing demons, homebrewed demons in the system. And the fun part was I planned for them to steal a magic object that the king was about to retrieve back again. So that they played the villains they will be fighting in the end. But unfortunately, my players liked playing demons way more than playing the heroes. <laughs> they kept playing demons and it got they wanted to play it more than the other campaign. So we switched and we expanded it in the first homebrew version. And then it continued that we thought, hey, this is fun. We have we found new role-playing experiences and it's easier for us to role-play these beings than some challenging humanoid adventurers. And yeah, we then kept it together and we got inspired by, for example, different series like Hell of a Boss. We also played Vampire the Masquerade. We were also playing at this time Call of Cthulhu. Yeah. And of course, yeah, so nice. basically it happened on a session zero and it's got further and further until we had rules for nearly everything and we thought, hey, let's try it out, make a Kickstarter about this. Awesome. What a happy accident that is. That's amazing. Yeah, and what I have to add is a major influence back then was the Dark Eye, which is a German pen and paper TTRPG, which is very rule heavy. And this is maybe what reminds you of the old White Wolf games and the yeah. Vampire the Masquerade. And it goes very much into detail. And this is what maybe shows in our adventure because we really like to give a whole picture yeah, that can lead the game master so he has all the inspirations and everything to pull through. That was our major influence. Yeah, it definitely it had vibes of, of the game system against the Dark Master also in that high fantasy feel, but also really what we would call crunchy rules, right? Like really detailed rule supplement. Maybe not quite as quite as heavy as against the Dark Master because that rule is really, really heavy. <laughs> yeah, but this is a step back from that, which was nice. We definitely picked up on the Vampire of the Masquerade vibes. All three of us have played Vampire of the Masquerade, Lark. I've also played a fair amount tabletop as well. And generally what we did when we did tabletop was we actually played scenes from our LARP characters in their past. So characters that kind of developed from the LARP, we actually were like role-played those scenarios, kind of like flashback sequences in tabletop and that. So I love those influences in general. While I'm not always the one who runs the side of those campaigns, I love playing the opposite side of those campaigns to some extent. I, there's a lot of fun in not always playing the Paragon of Good. Right. Yeah. Glenn, your question. Ooh, is it my turn now? It is your turn, sir. All right. As I was going through the material that y'all sent us, and whew, you sent us quite a bit. One of the things I really was fascinated by as I was reading through it is the Hell Warden levelable race. The leveling chart lists spell slots that it does have available, but then you have this whole second mechanic of Arcanum points that you can use for purchasing extra spell slots or converting them back into Arcanum points, and it varies by size. And I thought that concept was really neat because you were trying to create not just a level one PC because a demon's more powerful than that. So you're giving them more of that feel of being a more powerful demonic being who can wreak havoc on the mortal plane. So could you give me a breakdown of how the Arcanum system and points work in terms of extra spell slots and how that whole process goes? Totally. And the Hell Warden, only to set things right, the Hell Warden is a class of the race. It's basically the demonic equivalent to the Paladin, which is why we focused on its abilities. Yeah, it's the demonic version. And for for rules, I will hand the mic to the other Alex. Yes, that's a good thing when you have the same name. Yeah. 
Yeah, basically, we thought of demons as being the innate spellcasters they are. So as a being of chaos, you would expect from a demon to cast spells, no matter what its class would be. So we thought of the arcane, okay, there is this extra rule in the Game Master Guide of 5th edition, where they talk about arcanum points and the system. And we got inspired by this because this is an alternative rule to the spell slots that you can actually use. And we made our own thing out of that. So basically what you we have a division between our full races and our non-physical races. So basically the non-physical races would be something like the parasite, the objector, or the spectral, the ghost demon. So those would have the arcanum points as their hit points. So they don't have hit points, they just have a huge pool of arcanum points that they can transfer into spell slots so that they can cast spells. And it depends on their size if they get more value out of these arcanum points or less. The bigger the demon is, the less value he gets out of his of these arcanum points to kind of balance spell casting and martial art type of demons. Because the bigger demons would be more like on the fighting style and the smaller ones would take a more spell-heavy approach. And the gist of it is that we provided the table to convert that down. And this table will probably be on the character sheet as well, so to make it easier. And for the full demons, they have hit points, but they should also be spellcasters. So they also got canum points that they can convert to spell slots. They thought about to make this before a session happens. So like on level up, you get all your canum points back and you can, like the warlock, rethink what kind of spell slots you want to have. Do you want to have two level two two third level spell slots or do you want to have a lot of first level spell slots and to get this kind of feeling of the warlock back into the game nice i loved that the arcanum pool and the conversion rate changed based on size i thought that was pretty choice yeah so that when you're working with a huge demon that can target most squares with one big swipe of a huge heavy club not quite as magic worthy heavy. as yeah. the tiny demon who can't hit you with a giant club so he needs to set yeah. you with spells and i really and thought I, that was a cool touch i also really loved the connection between arcanum points and hit points like it was that was a really neat way of building in that a demon is casting with the very essence of what they are. It's almost like we have seen some new uses of hit dice in D&D 5 and how you can use hit dice to go ahead and do different things. I thought that this was a really elegant way of tying a magical essence and their physical essence together in, in one way. So that, well done on that. So. Thanks. And for the non-physicals, it's really neat to add in that extra resource management of their spellcasting mojo, also their hit points. So the more you convert, the less health effectively you have. That's pretty neat, too. Yeah. I noticed that you've got a lot of great things that are new. The Arcanum points is one of those. And new-ish. Many people may not be aware of it, but it is based on rules that are in the game. And so it's always been a part of this game. It's been a used part of the game. So to bring something like that out is really impressive. But as I'm looking at things, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit more about the leveling character races, how that came to be, and tell us a bit about your vision for that and what you started with in your homebrew games and what you wanted to bring forth into this game and what do you expect the players to really gain? Yeah, totally. Conceptual talking, the races, I think we made here a huge to OG5 ESIS because we thought they are no living beings in the mortal world. They are immortal manifestations of chaos. They should evolve because 
their very essence. It doesn't work like a human that picks up a profession and going for a class, being a fighter and training and getting better. So we thought we had to introduce a way that also the race evolves on a very basic level. For example, if you say you want your body to develop wings because you hadn't had them before, or you want to maybe get new abilities that that base on your race but not on your class, then there should be a way you can improve on a more basic level. And besides that, also your classes level normally, like we know it from D&D. So you have those two things weaving together in, in one being. Yeah, that's the conceptual idea behind that. And for rules, I give back to the other. Yeah, we also had like a big mental distinction for us was the races are what the demon is. So it's basically what makes up the physical form of the demon if it has wings it is a racial thing that they have or is it like a plantish demon then this these abilities like can i have root attacks can i produce spores that lure my targets in or stuff like that people would imagine they could build this is all stuff that we couldn't do in a class build because then our classes would be packed over with everything and therefore we also needed to let people build what they really want to play so we needed something where we put that and that's when we came up with okay our races need to level because then you can build also like the demons that you know from other supplements that you know from monster manuals that you've heard in literature or that you is your favorite tv series about and we wanted to give a supplement that allows you to build this demon that it can grow into it because mostly tv series are like those characters characters would be like level 15 20 mostly as yeah. they're way too overpowered and but we wanted to give the players the possibility to get there and to yeah basically our challenge on ourselves was make everything buildable and yeah we've developed a chart for that where you choose between different abilities like utility stuff for their example is are the wings in where you can pick up speeds and blindsight and all the good stuff you also have some fighting abilities to get those fighter type demons in that you would imagine on a battlefield we have we have production this is something like if you play a dead dragon demon you would expect it to breath fire like you like it's in the monster manual that's like the production feature where you have recharging magic that doesn't cost you resources but that enables you to feel the same power as a dragon and there are also other role playing aspects like getting proficiencies because we thought of the like we come from the dark eye where you can specialize in nearly everything and for us for example the paladin was something okay I don't really get that many proficiencies in in talents or in skills. And we wanted to make this more customizable so that people really feel a difference. Because we only provide six races, but you should be able to build everything with them. So there's really a need for to make your character special and recognizable over years to come. That's so cool. I love the customization aspects of it. That's that is such a great idea in terms of how to go ahead and build out these characters. Because you're right, everyone's going to come with their own concept of what their particular demon or their particular character can do or not do, or what they have to deal with and everything like that. And so that's a, just a really nice way of doing that. And it lets everybody just imagine their demon however they see it to a degree, especially if yeah. they build the pieces onto it after their start. Yeah. Because demons are like mortal races; they could appear as anything. Yeah. Two two members of the same demonic race could, in theory, have one could have eight legs, one could have three. It's 
really an interesting concept. That's what we also thought. And in terms of our races, when it comes to appearance, we thought there should be this this versatile approach to they give a theme. If you take the plantoid race, they, they are planty root or something like that. But in terms of shape and size, you can be everything. You can be from the tiny mushroom to the big root dragon. And the race only gives the theme. Like for the spectral, you are a ghost-like creature. But if you appear like a humanoid, humanoid ghost or a ghost of a cat, for example, it's, yeah, it doesn't matter. They are really only setting a theme and packing the theme with abilities that support it. But in terms of how you look, how you want to appear in the world, yeah, you can go completely off-road and uh, think of your yeah your favorite TV character or something like that. It also is possible. Everything is possible. And nice. that was really our goal here. And we did a lot of playtesting on this because this was one of our first ideas and it worked out so well. We built demons. It's at the beginning, you think, yeah, it's a little bit overwhelming because, okay, I can do everything. You have to get a grasp of what that means and try it out. And once you've got the taste, so you need a little time to get going, but then you have all these ideas. It's so satisfying that you can build them. And yeah, I think it's really great how we got there. And yeah, for example, one of my first demons that I built in our game was huge spider-like demon that had that could lift a little hut on its back and it was our basic mean of transportation that was pretty good in hiding and i was playing something similar to babadat which was a pretty <laughs> neat thing to do i love it that's amazing gentlemen t20 is to the ready for round two let's see that's a scene for me this time i'm rocking a six my digital dice betray me by rolling a 10 yet again yeah that happened last time too where you rolled yeah, a theme there yeah i didn't yeah, bring my physical theme. dice though so i'm having to use some digital <laughs> dice and i don't know yeah. man sometimes i just yeah. don't trust them yeah the theme glenn is perfectly mediocre it's a, it's a so it's to throw people off josh if i didn't yeah. put out that perspective then people would beat down my door trying to get me to do all the things <laughs> for them so, that i'm amazing at the question that i wanted to go ahead and ask here alex and alex is i wanted to talk about how these demonic rules that you have built factor into party dynamic right i could see this going both ways where you have like a party of regular class characters and a demon or the other way around where you have an entire party of demonic based characters that are going on demonic themed quests kind of like the sample adventure like when you're when you are first summoned through by the by that the old wizard and so that kind of pictured me as okay it's all demons that this old wizard has hired or has did five of you that kind of thing maybe through various means or through different uh, through different methods because you have rules for that too which are amazing by the way too so i want to kind of get your thoughts on like how do you see the party dynamics working do you view it as more of a nope this is for a party of demons all of you are demonic and everything like that or is there a way for that other kind of that other kind of way where it's you've got a, a paladin a cleric a warlock who has summoned a demon and that's the fourth player character the idea behind that is at the in the core game we are focusing on an all demon party but we are also planning on introducing for example cult building rules and in our world there is a different approach to what would need the wall be for humans for example because you could the idea behind that is a human could make deals a pact with demons and be maybe a cult worship and form a party with demons but that's a little bit later on. For now, we really like to try and f- focus on playing all demon party, but it is totally planned for the future. 
and maybe also for the Kickstarter because cult cool. building is a stretch goal. Yep. And if we come there, yeah, we may introduce it and may also branch into making packs and so on. Cool. Yeah. That, I like that too, because there have been a lot of systems that have tried to build in cult rules and not many of them were effective. And so I'm very excited to go ahead and see how you all handle that. Was that political enough? Did I score that circle enough to go ahead and let my true feelings on the on other cult on other cult books? You did maybe, all right. Yeah. Also, you maybe to right. just give a little to just give an, an idea of where we want to go with that is we also envisioned a party that could contain a cleric that is supervising the demons. Because in our world, <laughs> chaos and so the usually in in most systems demons are good as evil in our system demons are good as chaotic and it depends totally on the era you are in like we have playable eras and in the middle time it's demons are evil in renaissance for example it switches so it mm. turns the beliefs down and you have demons as the good thing or are they are like perceived as a neutral or good way to deal with it and to get society out of their problems and this is like always a wave it turns if they if if demons are too if there are too many of them in the world of the living it gets chaotic and they call for order again and it switches back to the to the church and to like the heavens and if it gets too orderly it also switches back to there's always this motion in the world and so that enables players and groups to like have okay i'm in a more neutral time or maybe i'm in a high spot for demons i have the cleric sizing them because the gods they worship are basically demons so you have you could you could mix these parties or even more what we want to do in the future is add the pact system when you make a pact with a demon that this allows you rule wise to multi-class into the, our demonic class so you could be like a human fighter and you make a pact on the battlefield and then you're allowed to go one level into another demonic class that which is way stronger than the og classes and this would also lead to some interesting dynamics and to some consequences and like i think there's really a lot that can be uncovered here and that's quite enjoyable yeah totally agree i love that you brought up alignment because that segues perfectly into my next question the playtest adventure that you've put out comes with that first section that gives you all of the rules to help you say how to play. And in that, it's talking about how to play a demon and that they're not always evil, which I thought was a really interesting concept. And the eras are also neat in tying it into the way that they're viewed through religion. But it did raise a question for me as I was then reading on later into additional means of regeneration. And something about that I had trouble jiving. So I was wondering if you could help me jive the concept of demons aren't always evil with the fact that aside from long rest and short rests, they can restore their arcanum points by corrupting the world and the people inhabiting it, either by literally putting down a demonic corruption on the ground and corrupting the earth itself until it's cured by a cleric or something of, along those lines, or influencing a human to give in, or a mortal to give in to their vices for influencing a human basically to go down the wrong path. So with those two means of additional re regeneration, I was having trouble reconciling that with the not evil part. So talk to me about that and how it works. Okay. Please. Demons demons don't have to be evil, you said. But of course they are because of chaos and they come from hell and are born out of it. And so the way we talked 
earlier that sometimes it gets too orderly and then chaos is needed to maybe end slavery, an empire that is orderly but built on slavery, and you need the chaos and you need the demons to break free. Good and evil is this axis is very interesting because they are corrupting and they are trying to get people to give in to their vices. But to give in to vices, what does it really mean? Because when vice is slow down and take your time, maybe you you are in the position of a demon and you are saying, okay, this one is overworking. There is a human which is overworking and you say, okay, slow down. And because the demon's desire, um, he spreads, he comes off the domain of fatigue, for example, then is it really that bad? He is, the demon may be selfish and maybe try to gain power out of that, but on where to put that wise also, yeah, changes the perspective on whether it is really evil or not. That's that's one point. Do you want to add something? Yeah, it's also yeah, that's some part of the perspective. Is it is this is giving or is helping is maybe a little strange work, helping a human to give in advice that bad? That depends on the perspective. And what we what also might help understand the concept is we thought of it in, in like layers. Like in the middle of the layer, you would have the living world. On the bottom, you have hell. And on top of this, you have heaven. And we thought of the arcane system like this. The main energy is in the living plane. And if being of the living plane does a good deed, the energy goes up. So this is so the energy is harvested by heaven. If they go give into a vice, the energy sinks down and is consumed by the demons. So basically, in our we thought of this more neutral way of it to see okay, both so heaven and hell both are on the energy of the living realm and that they sent their way. And so they adapted themselves to get the most out of it. And that's like that chaotic neutral field where we expect them. And that's why there is the possibility that this is like a wavement where it's too much of heaven's presence on earth, which causes too much order and suppression, security, and that they need some chaos to break out of it. And on the other side, chaos brings calamity, but also has a chance for freedom. And this kind of is this wave that we thought of or wanted to bring into the world and try out. And that's basically why we thought of, okay, that's maybe a neutral or goodish way to think about vices but also allows players to be the total evil demon they imagine. Because again, we need to fit the expectations of all our players. Hey there, travelers. Do you want early access to all of our episodes? How about exclusive content, live broadcasts, and the chance to throw dice with your favorite hosts and fellow fans? You can do all that by signing up for our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. But wait, there's more. For the next month, you can get a free coffee mug for signing up at the Adventurer level. Plus, Adventurer level Patreons automatically get complimentary copies of our latest book, The Traveler's Guide to the Multiverse, available on DMs Guild. We love doing this show for y'all, and your support helps us keep creating and producing great content for you. We have tiers to fit any budget for a monthly commitment, so join us today at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys. That's a fit. I'm going to jump in first. That's a fantastic answer for one. Like as, as 
as the first Alex was talking, I was thinking about like Paladin who has an oath, but realizes halfway through their Paladin career, that oath no longer serves for a reason. And so like breaking out of kind of the forces of order that the Paladin is used to realize where they can ascend to is an act of chaos and does not have to be evil. That's such a fantastic answer. As you're answering Alex 1, not rules Alex, but Alex 1. We're going to go with rules Alex. We're going to go with Alex 1. That implies the superiority. Yeah, yeah. Go with rules oh, Alex okay. and flavor Alex. Okay, <laughs> flavor Alex. Alex rules Alex. There we go. As Flavor Alex was speaking, and I was thinking about Glenn's, the core of Glenn's question, I was thinking of the corruption is not necessarily corruption as in good or evil corruption. I kept thinking about it in corruption as in chaos order. So I almost like, and it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, the good and evil is not, it exists in this world. But it is not the focus of where these dudes are being made, that it is about whether you're corrupting people out of order into chaos or stirring them from chaos into order. And maybe I'm throwing you your next project, but that a companion piece would be the outside of this. Celestial? Uh, yeah, I was thinking yeah, that too. On the celestial end, so you have this opposed force. And, but it goes, I always think of good and evil, up and down versus chaos and order being left and right. I'll say it that way. So when I was thinking, when I heard corruption, I was definitely thinking corruption to the chaotic side of things. That's what I got out of it. Is that kind of where you were leading? Yeah, totally. Because you summed it up pretty well. We thought that when it comes to the alignment system, and we've put so much thought into this because, for ex for example, really like to play lawful good characters and the typical pair player normally. And but as we branched out in playing demons, it was it something interesting happened. Because we've played Vampire the Masquerade before, Creatures of the Night and Vampires and Werewolves and so on, but they have something still human to them. So they are rooted in the mortal world, whereas demons are not rooted in the mortal world. And that really made an impact on my roleplay because I was suddenly able to play chaotic, neutral, even chaotic, evil characters because in my head, I wasn't bound to, to societal norms. And so it helped me really expand my roleplay capabilities. And what I think about it now is that chaos and, and lawfulness are a more absolute you can measure a character than good or evil because good or evil always changes when you change your perspective. Good and evil can change when you change your perspective, but chaos and order cannot. So that was our, the idea that developed. Not the, fir not the first intent, but as we developed it, yeah, we, we discovered that it is that way. Yes. So I love it. And both of you, Josh and Lee, when you added on to pieces of what I wanted to say, because as you were talking, it came together for me. And I was already seeing it. I asked the question because I wanted to hear your take. But as y'all were talking, I really liked the idea of the law and the chaos or chaos and order, the primary shares behind heaven and hell as opposed to good and evil. And as we were all talking, it really brought me to the TV show Supernatural and the Winchesters. And I was sitting here with Crowley in one hand and Castiel or Michael in the other and how different that show presented those concepts. Now, mind you, in that show, most demons are evil. 
but Crowley and Ruby, they're helping the Winchesters, the ones either because it's their own agenda or because they're starting to think maybe this isn't the way we want to go anymore. Totally. Versus how much the Celestials really didn't give a crap about the mortal realm. They were just all about their own their own <laughs> right. thing, right? Yeah. Which violated a lot of what people thought. And I really liked the way you went with that. I'm going to suggest maybe adjust the Legenet to be less about corruption or ad language. So it's corrupted to chaos as opposed to just implying corruption because chaos impact like as a demon if he's sensing people he could influence a good person to engage their negative vices so to speak but what if instead you got a guy out there who's the darkest assassin known to man who's evil to his core except that one shred of humanity so to corrupt him they encourage his good vices and they encourage him to move in the other direction it's adding chaos to the order of his life or when you're corrupting land if you've got a verdant forest that's lush with life chaos could take life away. But if you have a desert, it may be corrupting the land, but it could cause an oasis to spring forth. You know what I mean? It could go in both directions, depending on how the line is written. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And that is also because there was one major question occurring when we thought about the chaos and order axis and the good and evil axis. And we came up with the idea that demons don't have to be evil, is that we wanted to make it possible for you to create a character where you can decide on how the demon was created in the first place. Was it maybe a human which who became a demon, but made maybe a pact that turned him into one out of a desperate situation? So he doesn't necessarily have to be evil because he was humans maybe days ago. So now he's a demon and now maybe he has to serve a demon lord. But is he really evil? And so you have all these different ways a demon can be created. For example, as for the Hellbutton we were talking about earlier, a Hellbutton, we imagine that one of the ways Hellbutton can be created is as a creation of another demon. Because they are usually sentinels, for example, or the bodyguard kind, like Paladin, who takes care of that everything is secure. And so he is maybe a creation of a demon, but there are also subclasses that to the Hellwarden which open up to pledge yourself to one of the demon lords, just maybe a warlock would do, but in this case, in our system, it's the Hellborn, to gain certain powers to maybe save your family or something like that. Right. Now we're talking about Ghost Rider, which is hot. Yeah, and we thought so too. And as you mentioned earlier, maybe to take to turn the things around and maybe for another expansion of the game that maybe heavens have to interfere later for yeah rule of order rule of chaos (laughs) you can have a a celestial war going on too it has a really neat name and we don't know if we want to announce it now but be assured it will come we already said it today once when i was talking about what a fabulous question as we're talking i'm finding all kinds of future applications for y'all in my own head so i'm sure you've got lots of ideas to those listening, if you didn't pick up on what was said earlier, when this is finished, restart, listen again, as often as need be, till you get the answer, and then yeah. write in the comments below as to when you, how many times you had to listen to it to find it. You can, you can edit uh, this count if you really find it for the next yeah. six Now you're talking our language, exactly, yeah. And I promise you, I will not cut it out just to make you listen to it an extra time. I will make sure it stays. I'm going to be honest, this last conversation has me really tempted to take the 5e modern overlay in combination with this and create a game similar to the Winchesters in a modern world. Just throwing that out there. I'm down for that. 
absolutely down for that. All right, okay. I think that you're going to have probably what is going to be our last question of the day. Make it a good one. Don't don't suck. That rarely happens on this show. I'm going to talk to about one of the mechanical elements of the game. I need a lot of the picky details because, as we talked about, this is a, a Kickstarter project at the time of this recording. It has not launched yet, but it will be launched by the time this airs. So I want our and our fans, those listening to the show, to really know how excited you are about the project, but also to just get a feel for what's coming on with this project and what they can expect from this. Obviously, we've seen the promo trailer that you provided us. Folks will have those links below, so they'll have that starting idea, that trailer experience for this project. But I would love to ask you to talk about your spell generation engine. I thought that was wonderful. I find spells to be the second hardest thing in 5e to build. I found subclasses to be the hardest. I've not built classes at all, so I can't speak to that. But I imagine that will change. I'll kick everything down on a level if I try to build a class. But I find spells to be the next hardest thing because you want to be with your spell spells. In general, you want to make spells that are more than just, that one's a fireball, let's do an ice ball. This one makes you jump 50 feet. This other one only makes you jump five feet, so it's half the power level. Like, that, that's weak sauce. Everybody can do that. And every... And narratively, there are times where it has to be done. So I'm not saying you're bad if that's what you did or that's what you're going to do. But that's but generating an acting new and different kind of spell experience, that to me sounds very hard. So I would love for you to just expand on, and maybe this is one we're kicking to rules, Alex, for, but expand on what your spell generation engine is all about and what can our really expect to gain from this and give us how we might be able to apply these beautiful rules and concepts you have to a standard D&D 5e game. Okay, so basically, as we were going through all the spells that are already in 5e, there are tons of, and we wanted to build spells and add them to them, but we had like problems finding out which ones would be balanced in a way or feel not too weak, but not too strong for the spell levels. And that's where we came up with, okay, let's try to make our a system from where we can derive spells. And this is like, a, we ended a block system, like an effect block system, because all the other stuff, like you said, is it a fireball? Is it an ice ball? Is it wind? It really doesn't matter. The effect is the enemy takes damage. And we thought of this at the same. We said, okay, let's make blocks of effects that you can put together. And at the end of time, you basically have now two blocks of damage, one block of force. And this results maybe in the Star Wars force grip that strangles you. And like the all the nice storytelling elements are basically, again, up for the player because usually they know what their magic should look like. They should look like what their demon theme is. And we provide blocks of effects with strengths, like with boundaries, with what's the minimum you get with that, what's the maximum, and you can combine this. And this is a big table, or this would be a big table. So therefore, again, the app that comes with the Kickstarter is maybe a good help because that should assist you in that process, especially. You can do it by paper, but it's more like a double page for that. Also, we have two kind of aspects for the spell crafting 
like the one where you prepare your spell beforehand, where you can maybe think about, okay, do I want to use material and maybe get down on the spell slot level that is needed and some so that you can do some customization and adjustments to the spell to give it your feel and that to help you with that. And we also thought about using it in the moment. So basically we mentioned that you can use our spellcrafting system with in the easiest way with the app and you're in a battle situation or you have some challenge to face and you think about a a solution and then say, okay, let's do that with magic. And three taps and you're good to go with your improvised spell that helps you solve a problem with magic. And that was a good idea. And there are some 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 other systems that are really focusing on this kind of free-ish magic. That's really great. Yeah. I really like the idea of your customizable magic yeah. and yeah. I wish we thought of it. That's really great. <laughs> really wish we thought of it. Yeah. And what yeah. we thought is is that that you can prepare them beforehand. So you can really you can customize your race or you can customize how it looks. You should be able to customize your spells so that so you build your own spell book, for example. And and there is not a huge power gaming potential, which maybe satisfy a lot of gamers out there who are into this, but also not only power gaming, but also creativity as you can create them on the fly. And we had so much fun doing this already in playtesting because, uh, yeah, we got, we didn't implement it into the promo adventure Amber Gleam's Demise because this is Alpha State for now, but yeah, we had a lot of fun with it already. It's also, it also lives... That's what I probably forgot to mention. It also lives a bit on on the situation. Like you said before, some spell takes you up five feet, some spell takes you up 50 feet. Does it really matter? Is it just turning those number screws up or down for the level? But it also often depends on the situation you're in. For example, a spell that turns your skin red is really that depending on the situation if you are like somewhere where they're looking for a demon and you can cast it on someone and say hey look that's the demon out there he has red skin he has horns that's something where the spell gets creates fun and like an interesting situation and that's where we are planning to go with the system it is to me the perfect marriage between mix and narrative capability because you're exactly right uh one of my favorite D subclasses is the rogue mastermind which whenever you're on youtube people always talk about how it's like the worst class these abilities can be mimicked with other things they push posh on that the reality is i was in a game where i was able to utilize all those abilities that they downplay as they're really going to work and basically walk to the final boss next to him with a bunch of my party members in Chewbacca shackles basically not actually contained, which got next to all of his lieutenants. So we were as in within their thing in the middle of their ritual while they were getting ready to do. And I was able to do the stop the ritual with the sneak attack because I was mimicking a voice and perfectly looking like one of his people. And he had no idea. And that's what I love about the spells that you're mentioning right now is can they be niche? Yeah. But if you're playing a game whose focus is this area or in storytellers out there, if you've got players with these abilities guess what give them their moments build adventures for their moments and you're going to have that kind of fun that was epic for me that was my very first 5e character by the way in my second 5e adventure and so similar to that 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 same thing i was had i was in the middle of town they were after me and everybody but now that now they're after this other guy three adventures now i may have an enemy because they finally let him out of prison again storytellers (laughs) give them their moments but make sure they get their results 
that's what this game's about being those moments that roll taking the mechanics feeding a narrative to give a moment and then carry that forward into bigger and better stories down the road and i love what you've got there yeah but karma comeuppance is important always yeah, bring yeah. that back in yep alex and alex it is somehow we have already gone through our hour today uh, this Light is around. a fantastic oh do you want a lightning yeah. round do you have a lightning we got two rounds of questions let's do let's right. throw in a lightning, lightning round, round. it'll like take it. us a little bit longer right. so, so quick questions quick answers ready glenn do you want to start again today do i want to start of course i do except right. i forgot what my question was i had it a second all right, so i'll go <laughs> i wasn't going to go first at all today till this very moment so you've mentioned the app a couple times and real quick i love the way it looked on the in the promo stuff you've given give us a brief bit on the app and what more can we expect to see on that and how that's going to interact with the game for the first version we planned four major functionalities the first and most important one is of course creating a character and playing with that so like managing your hit points your spell slots and like we want to ease as much so we want to get rid of as much calculation for you as possible so most of the stuff the character sheet in the app should do so that you can focus on playing cool. we have two approaches on that we have the classic point buy but with stretch goals, we also want to expand into a story-driven approach where we take character creation from a narrative point and suggest you with paths, classes, with what you should take or what, like, we want to take, we want to try out different ways that you can build your character. Because not everybody <laughs> is like a numbers freak like me who likes to get the maximum out of everything. So you need a different approach. Where you are like, where are you from? How did you get created? Why we do you fight? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. The other functionality is, of course, the spellcrafting system, so that the app also helps you with that and that you don't have to look at all those tables. And the other part is our community, because we want to, to enable the community to share like their favorite demons to share adventure stuff. We have the fantasy world art that we currently are in talks with other softwares that we have a community wiki and that we have a world page that they can add to. So there's like really cool functionality coming up and our patron stuff is also in there. Because with the Kickstarter, you get like, we are planning to release additional content on a monthly basis to this to expand the game on whatever the community wants. So we try to get a mixed state where we listen to the community, then create that and like work together. And even, yeah, take stuff that they proposed and add this to the official game. My question, is this a two-man team? And if so, it's a two-part question, maybe three. And if so... How hard was it to work just the two of you and master all of these pieces? If not, if there are people on your team, who else do you need to throw a shout out to that weren't able to make it to the interview today? Basically, we were like three people in the beginning, but then one, he left, which now leaves Alex and Alex. And basically, we are having kind of a network of people that we're trying to build right now to get all the load done for the Kickstarter. But until now, it was like really a lot of work, like additional 30 to 40 hours a week in to make this possible. And we it was hard, but we really loved it because now we see what we've accomplished with that and now how the community reacts to what we have presented. And it's like really amazing. And we are getting more and more people on it who are interested. And I think that will help to make this possible. 
And I got to say, the both of you are very passionate about it when you talk about it. And I can tell how much this project <laughs> is meant to you. And I think that's going to yeah. come off to our So I don't think you're going to have too much trouble finding more followers. Yeah, I don't think so either. Okay. And we are not totally not trying to finish this project by just us two. We are building, as Alex said, currently a network. And yeah, we've started promoting Rule of Chaos, I think, in January and got to know so many people by now that are really interested in the project. And I think we will have a problem to choose from it's not we don't have people it's more okay who are we gonna pick to work with yeah but that comes with the kickstarter because yeah this is a huge dead deadline and after that we are going to build the team exciting Great. times there's a quote that i come to being lousy for choices isn't a lousy place to be yeah that's true right. i'm gonna bundle a couple of really short lightning round questions into one here to get you to talk about the kickstarter because i back a lot of kickstarter games myself and so the things that i want to know are what are the price point that people are going to be able to get into this project for are you offering physical books or only digital and what is your delivery date oh, okay so basically price point is you get a pdf of the core rules so like we have a core rules and we have our guide to chaos the guide to chaos is more like gm tips yep. monsters magic items and like the settings of arda like the times, which people live there, geopolitical stuff and so on. And there's also an adventure that comes with that. So that's like the whole package. And you also get chaos cards. Like those are the, those, this is a system when demons use magic. They yeah. introduce chaos to the world and you get like some neat fun effects that trigger and that put you in situations. You get those cards. think of a form of wild magic. I thought it was neat. Yeah. Exactly. yeah we need to get into the chaos cards. I thought those were awesome. But carry on. Yeah. Yeah. You get that's also you get that as well. And you get a year of Patreon membership as well. Because we really want to get people going on this. And you also get like codes like this is all digital. But you get codes for drive-thru RPG so that you can just order them for the printing costs. Because for our team, for the first Kickstarter, it's too much to handle fulfillment service and printing books. And we want to focus more on creating a good project and maybe make a second run if it is really successful. With You're speaking right to us there because that's why we're doing digital at first as well. Exactly, yeah. So, With the world of print the way it is, my power to those who are producing hardcover products, I appreciate and absolutely understand the delays and the challenges that they're facing. I spent days last week you just said just trying to get the cards done or a day last week and i still actually have to go pick those up now because of timing and, and all those issues digital with a print on demand maybe an extra little bit on the back end but if it allows for a better product at a faster timetable that's well worth it worth it yeah yeah so basically you get the core rules to make a demon to play our system and the print code for 25 euros you get an ready to play box where you have the core rules as PDF and you get the print key, you get a digital GM screen because we defined because they aren't available to print on drive through, unfortunately. <laughs> you get also get the adventure and five patron keys for 45 euros. And you get our most favorite bundle, the Demon Legion, where you have the core rules as PDF and print code. You have the GM screen. You have the Guide of Chaos, this rule, this GM help and settings guide. You get the adventure. 
you get additional chaos cards that are themed to the evil era and you get 10 patron subscriptions for a year for 85 euros and then there is a fun last go last goal which is just because we couldn't resist of the numbers there's the 66 euro package where we play an adventure for you and you get lime access and we create the demon with you that gets added to the to the and that's awesome. yeah that's like we couldn't that's resist very nice with the opportunity. <laughs> no, that's yeah, no, I can that, that that one like just writes itself. It does. And that's yeah, totally yeah. <laughs> Alex and Alex, thank you so very much for spending some of uh, some of your evening with us today to go ahead and talk through the new book. I'm really looking forward to when the Kickstarter launches. This episode's coming out in a couple of weeks, but it goes live on the 20th of October. I have it set in my calendar. I will definitely be keeping an eye out here for the rule of chaos. At the point that you are hearing this episode, Patreons included, this will be live. So go check it out on on Kickstarter. Anyway, Alex and Alex, thanks so much for uh, for spending some time with us today. Hope that you enjoy the rest of your evening. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thanks I, for having us. Absolutely. We have spoken to people all over the world, fabulous content creators, awesome people doing awesome things. We've spoke to them in Australia, other parts of Europe, Italy, Great Britain. This is the first time that I recall we've spoken with anybody from Austria. This is my personal ability to world travel by speaking with people who are of a similar mindset with great ideas. And I just, I'm honored to have you on the show and thank you very much for bringing us your content. Yeah. It was a pleasure. It was really <laughs> fun. The hour went by like nothing. I know. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. All right. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank well, you for listening. I fixed it. Oh. Yeah. I totally agree. My favorite part of this job is the fact that I get to talk to people who are doing fantastically interesting stuff from all over the world. Just wanted yeah. to back that up on Lee Winnicka. That's yeah. so fulfilling. It really is. Yeah. It's almost not a job. You just also get to go ahead and put yeah. it on a podcast. So yeah. anyway, gentlemen, thank you so very much for coming on here tonight. Thank you everybody out there for listening. We are back next week. We are beginning a bard content. So that'll be a fun time where Glenn gets to go ahead and throw dice and we're bringing Scald back to go ahead and play through our next class warfare featuring bards. And that'll all be in the next couple of weeks here. My right. is built. I am just about done with my College of Allotriton. So it'll be a good yeah. time. So all set. to be honest, I'm tempted <laughs> to build your opposition with bards also and call it Battle of the Bands, but I haven't decided. That's awful. I want to rock. Uh, all right. Alex, thank you again so very much. And thank you everybody out there for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye. Later. Thanks, guys. Good night, all. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible, we would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Hey.